He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a windy Wednesday morning. Man, I opened up my truck door on the out here in the parking lot, and the wind about tore the door off my truck. I'm telling you, it's howling out there. So uh, just please don't be burning any trash barrels uh, today. Just uh, leave all that alone and. Uh, because it is windy out there. So, um, got all kinds of things on the calendar. We have a great show for you today. Going to make some predictions. So, if you have a uh, your uh, scrap of paper or whatever, Matt Long's predictions. Going to make a few predictions about the upcoming session. And going to expose you to a little bit of the tricks, a little bit of the um, mm, manipulation that goes on of voters. And we're going to talk about that today. How are you being manipulated? Have you been manipulated? And uh, doesn't it make you mad when you feel like you've been manipulated? So anyway, we're going to talk about that today. And um, Friday, listen, I got a great show on Friday. Nick Adams is going to be on the air with us Friday. Um, he is the, the green card warrior. I said the other day, I said something about he was Australian. He is a full-fledged American citizen now. I guess we could call him an Australian-American, even though I doubt he would like that. We'll ask him that on Friday if he wants to be called an Australian-American or just an American. And uh, so anyway, we're going to have Nick Adams on on Friday. All kinds of great things coming up Saturday. I am, I'm telling you what, I'm pumped about Saturday. Can't wait for Saturday this after uh, fr- Saturday afternoon. The Freedom Fest is going to be happening over in Ingram, and uh, it's going to be an absolute rip. It uh, we're going to be there from uh, three to five, at least. The um, I know the Hummer's going to be there from three to five, and Dara's going to be with me out there. And if you don't know Dara yet, she's an awesome lady that works here at the station, and Dara and I will be out there having fun on Saturday with We the People Liberty in Action for their second annual Spring Freedom Fest. It's going to be at Ingram Park, Ingram City Park, uh, from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. They're uh, going to be uh, talking about last year's successes as well as your opportunity to join uh, to join one of their focus groups the, the the way these guys have formed, I am just I'm just so proud of them. Um, rather than have the monthly meetings, which uh, uh, quite frankly, after a while, turn into kind of the free movie of the month meetings. Um, and so, what these guys have done says we don't need no stinking monthly meeting. What we need is action. Thus, their name, Liberty and Action. So they have focus groups. They have groups that focus in on the very issue that you want to fight for. And so when you come to one of their meet and greets or when you come to this uh, fest, you need to find the people who are working on that one thing, that one burr under your saddle, the sticker between your toes that um, that you want to uh, uh, take care of. 
And, uh, you know, of course, the Fredericksburg Tea Party does the same thing. Now, we still have our monthly meetings, but we have focus groups, the same thing. It's the idea of actually putting you to work. This, uh, this whole idea, this movement of liberty that we are all involved in requires more than just sitting in an uncomfortable chair for two hours once a month. It requires more than that. And so that is the uh, purpose of the focus groups. And uh, we're actually going to be talking quite a bit more about that. I'm already going to start talking about January of next year. Yes, I know it's April, but we're going to be start looking towards January of next year. And we're going to have some conversations about that today as well. So this Saturday, make it out to Ingram City Park from 3 to 5. Join We the People, Liberty in Action, the Hill Country, Patriot Hummer, and uh, Dara. And uh, yours truly will be out there. We'll be having all kinds of fun. So uh, let's see what else. Uh, upcoming Fredericksburg Tea Party meetings. Our regular second Thursday of the month, which this month is going to be on the 14th. The, that's a week from tomorrow will be the school board candidates. All six of the Fredericksburg uh, school board candidates have agreed to come to this uh, forum. And so we're, we're going we're, we're to have a very full meeting for this forum. And uh, so we're not going to uh, do our regular, you know, give every other person three minutes at the mic. We give them candidates. There may be some candidates there. Um, and so you'll get to meet some candidates uh, if they're there. And as far as other outside of the school board, I'm sorry, um, there may be other candidates there. Of course, all the school board candidates will be there and be on stage. And uh, the meeting starts at 6.30 and we end at 8. The um, dinner is served at 6. We meet at St. Joseph's Hall on 212 West San Antonio Street in Fredericksburg. So, I'll uh, keep you more informed of that as we get closer. And then the following Saturday, the 16th, Comedy in the Constitution Tour, um, being brought to you by the thepatriotacademy.com. Um, uh, folks, this is very special. Um, we have uh, the Fredericksburg Tea Party uh, contracted with Comedy in the Constitution Tour a number of years ago. I believe it was about five years ago. And Rick Green and Brad Stein and we paid them a pretty penny to come to uh, um, uh, to come to give their program at Fredericksburg. And uh, as it is, we're all capitalists, so I don't have a problem with that. But I was just letting you know that we had to pay a pretty penny to get them here, and then we had to charge people to get in the door. And so that was how that worked. Well, a very generous benefactor has uh, paid for a big chunk of Brad Stein and uh, Rick Green's uh, expenses to do a comedy in the Constitution tour, which you will be allowed to get into at no charge. How about that? All right, so this is an amazing opportunity to see a show that you may have needed to pay anywhere from 25 to 50 or $60 to go to in the past, now you get to have it for free because there is a benefactor who has paid the large chunk of these guys' uh, tour. They're doing, I believe, 15 stops in the state of Texas, and uh, they're going to be in Fredericksburg on Saturday the 16th in the evening. 
Um, the best way for you to get your tickets and to RSVP, um, again, it's free, but you need to RSVP. There's only so many seats in each of these venues, and uh, once they're full, they're full. So the best thing to do that would be to go to your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter, which you got on Monday, which has, good Lord, it's got so many awesome things on it. Thank you so much, Tori and Angela, who put that together every week. Um, that's the easiest way. Open up your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter from Monday, and you will find uh, the link for the Comedy in the Constitution tour. And by the way, they have added Lieutenant Colonel Allen West to this tour, but he is only on certain venues. He's not making it to all of the, the venues, but certain ones. I will try to find out if Alan West will be attending the Fredericksburg showing of uh, Comedy in the Constitution. And uh, I'll try to find out and let you know. Uh, then on Tuesday the 19th, the Fredericksburg Tea Party uh, is going to be presenting a special meeting on the school bond. And so we're actually going to have two meetings within about five days of each other. And uh, dinner on the second Thursday, but no dinner on Tuesday the 19th. We may have some uh, snacks or something there. But uh, those are the things on your calendar. As we get closer, I'll always give you more and more details. And again, I want to encourage you to sign up for the weekly newsletter from the Fredericksburg Tea Party. Go to fredericksburgteaparty.org, fredericksburgteaparty.org. I double-checked it yesterday, and right there you have to scroll down just a wee bit and uh, you will find the um, uh, place to subscribe for the newsletter. And speaking of a wee bit, greetings to my mom in Northern Ireland. Hope you're enjoying uh, tea time today and uh, enjoying visiting with your friends over there. All right, so let me give you a little bit of Ben Franklin. And uh, when we get back, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, yeah, you're being manipulated once again. So here we go. Ben Franklin says, none but the well-bred man knows how to confess a fault or acknowledge himself in an error. He says, no, no. Ben says, only the best know how to confess a fault, to say, hey, I was wrong, or acknowledge himself in error. Boy, that's a powerful weapon, a powerful tool, I should have said, when you can look someone in the eye and say, I was wrong. Y'all stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we are back. Listen, I'm trying to I'm fr finally figuring out it just doesn't pay to take any time off. I, I disconnected on Friday. Um, as soon as I got out of the studio, I did not connect back in until um, Tuesday afternoon, to be honest with you. Um, I already missed a very important email, and since I wasn't paying attention to the weekly schedule, it completely got past me that today is the day we speak to Jonathan um, Science. So, Mr. Science, um, thank you so much for calling me, and uh, so glad to have you on, and um so, uh, welcome to the Matt Long Show, sir. It's good to be back with you, Matt. So, we, um, what I had in mind, and maybe you can just uh, go in on this, 
We're, um, I've been talking quite a bit about how uh, right before the primaries, it seems a lot of the incumbents really step up their game. <clears throat> and then uh, right before the elections, right before the November elections, a lot of our uh, incumbent Republicans uh, once again step up their game a little bit. And uh, there was an article in the Texan that talked about Dan Patrick uh, taping, taking aim at uh, the, let's see, what was the title? Takes aim at woke Disney and calls for legislation prohibiting sexualization of children in the classroom. Um, the point I was, <laughs> the point I was thinking about on this is, he's had three or four opportunities to deal with this in general, maybe not specifically. Do you have any reason to believe, Mr. Science, that uh, this this issue? is going to be treated any differently this coming session? Well, look, I mean, as today is likely a key day that we'll see votes in this week, votes on the next Supreme Court Justice uh, Kadanji Brown-Jackson. We've seen a lot of concern about her position in having low sentencing rates for people that have child pornography and sexual predators. There's a lot of discussion across the country about what we're doing as it relates to these sensitive issues with children and issues of sex. And so I, I think that you're going to see more and more attention. And our organization, Texas Values, is heavily opposed to the confirmation of the Biden administration's pick for Supreme Court nominee to, um, to fill the vacancy. And disappointing to see Republicans, not from Texas, but from other states like Mitt Romney and others, allow that to go forward. We were in a position, this confirmation could have been stopped. So, But that's just you know an example of across the country, not in Texas, people being a lot more concerned and tuned in to what's happening on these issues of sex and children and kids. One thing that's encouraging, last session we did pass a law that made sex education opt-in. That means your kids cannot be being taught about issues of sexuality um, as it relates to um, sexual intercourse and de developmental process and all that without getting the approval of parents first. It's not a permission slip that comes home after the fact. They have to have, prior to teaching your kids, uh, given, gotten your approval, not an opt-out where you have to say we don't want it done. So that's good to know. And so, But I tell you, a lot of this is because the Senate today, excuse me, this week released interim charges. They, in between legislative sessions, so, you know, we have a legislative session typically on odd years. I mean, every odd year, sometimes there are special sessions that we go beyond that. But our regular session is in an odd year. And even years where you have elections and you have a lot of prep work for the next legislative session. So it's not a surprise that the lieutenant governor is engaged in that type of work, preparing for the next session, setting the tone for what things that we're going to do. But I do think what happened in Florida with the parental rights bill um, indicated that you can have success on these issues. These things can be passed. They can be signed into law. And because of the overreaction of the LGBTQI plus however many letters are now with these groups, that they were so opposed to the bill, it really just sort of confirms that we need something like this because there are people that want to take time in the classroom to talk to kids about their own personal sex lives as young as kindergarten. And it's just not appropriate. It's absolutely not appropriate. Um, I've got a couple of questions here. So you mentioned that that legislation passed uh, last year that uh, sex education 
um, has to be. And did you say K through 12 opt-in? Yeah, that's right. All right, so it's K through 12 opt-in. And yet, then we look around the state, and especially in Austin, and we're hearing stories uh, from other districts as well now, that that just seems to be, in many places, that just seems to be ignored. And when I was reading the interim charges the other day, um, it dawned on me that several of the interim charges had to do with follow-up and see how well this law is doing. And it wasn't just this, uh, you know, th this uh, uh, issue, but it was many other issues as well. How do we get enforcement of that, and who can citizens do anything to to uh, I don't know force the enforcement of these of laws where schools and teachers and boards are just saying you know we don't care what they say in Austin we're going to teach this anyway what are how can they be penalized for that? Well, first of all, I want to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about, Matt, when we talk about interim charges. So that's language and phrases that are used at the Capitol. Interim means the time period between legislative sessions, right? Mm -hmm. Charges means what either the lieutenant governor or the Speaker of the House, because the Speaker of the House decides, here's what the House committees are going to hear, have public hearings on. And the lieutenant governor says, here's what the Senate is going to have, uh, Senate interim hearing, public hearing. And these are all public. The public can go Sometimes they, uh, they're not open to the public to register for testimony, but you certainly can be there to, to participate. And that's not to shut anyone out. That's just because they're not passing anything, right. but they are um, going to discuss it. And so sometimes they'll bring in people that have a little bit more uh, to bring to the table and experience on some of these issues. But they'll discuss a lot of things that they think need to be addressed next session. And charges just means, you know, the, the way that word is used is you're charged, you're, you're uh, assigned. Mm -hmm. You're requested. You're assigned. Thank you, uh, Matt. And so, um, but just set that up for everyone. All right. Um, the the law that was passed last session, you know, the, what we're seeing is the left is finding ways to sort of get around it. Right. Oh, we're not teaching sex education. This is just an awareness thing of what's going on with Pride Week and you know the other being inclusive for you know marginalized people of the community. Different language that they use to try to get around it. And that suggests, well, then maybe we need to look at the way the law is written so it's not written in a way that people find another way to do some of the same things that a lot of people felt like should not have been allowed to do because of a new law. And, you know, and, and we saw that in Austin ISD, right? I mean, they engaged in a lot of different activities, Pride Week, you know, plus, if you will. I mean, there's right. all kinds of different things that they were doing. And you see a lot of uh, school district employees being very um, public. And cavalier, in my you know view, in a lot of ways, putting stuff on social media and then realizing people didn't like it or it went too far, and then it had to be pulled down and all kinds of stuff. But it's showing you, oh, they, you know, and there's this one um, national interview where this public school employee, I think from Florida, was talking about, you know, just how crushed he was, if you will, because he couldn't talk to kids about his sex life or who his sex partner was, and and so. I, it's just more and more evidence of what the left or some of these other people, oh, they have a whole lot more that they want to do and talk with our kids about if they're not reined in, if there are not some common sense standards in place that don't allow that to happen and make it clear. You need to be focusing on this education, not on your sex life in the public school classroom. Without a doubt. Listen, I had the opportunity yesterday to preview 
a movie called Whose Children Are They? Have you seen that one yet, Mr. Science? I have not. Man, I tell you what, it's another good one. It is. Uh, it, it would pair very well with Mind Polluters, um, and uh, but it would be a long evening if you watched them both. Um, but uh, it really exposes the fact that all of this is coming from the teachers' union, and it's a very powerful movie. Let's. Um, we need to take a short break. And uh, when I get back, I want to talk about the House because uh, we've seen some good legislation on these issues come out of the Senate and even come out, go into the House but never come out. And I want to talk about that and how citizens can possibly uh, change that. So, folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with Mr. Jonathan Sines of Texas Values. Go check out TexasValues.org or TXValuesAction.com. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back. I'm on the phone with Mr. Jonathan Science of TXValues.org, TXValuesAction.org. Dot org and I will uh, on the uh, podcast if and when I can get them up. I'm having issues with that, um, but I will uh, put those links in for you. So before we get to the uh, the House and how so much of this legislation is stopped in the House, I got a text during the break that uh, from a, a parent who says that Ken Paxton recently tweeted that parents should uh, submit grievances to TEA, that would be the Texas Education Association. Um, did I say that right? Texas Education Association, is that what it is? That's correct. All right, there we go. Texas Education Association. When I first uh, when I first heard of it, I thought it was a union, but it's not. It's the uh, That's actually who uh, kind of has uh, charge of where a lot of your money goes. So, the um, the T they said uh, Paxton said you need to submit a grievance to TEA immediately if ah Texas Education Agency immediately if the schools are getting opt in if they are not getting the opt in 14 days ahead of time um, I'm familiar with the grievance process because I filed a grievance locally about a week ago at the at our school board and I'm having my meeting uh, today. And uh, they are. There is a process that they want you to go through. They first of all want you to try and fix the issue without a grievance, and then they have a level one or a level A grievance, which is just locally, and they want you to do that second. And then the third thing they want to do is, if you can't get it handled locally, then just take it to the TEA, and that is a second level or level B of grievance. Um, and Paxton is saying, just skip ahead of the line and send it to. TEA is that is that uh, to you? Is that appropriate way to do this? Is skip over the locals first and go right to TEA? Yeah, I don't. I can't recall that being something that we've done before. Not that I want to hear people doing that. But, you know, uh, you're 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 sounding really really terrible, uh, Mr. Science. You guys there? Yeah, that's a little bit better. Little bit better. So you were saying that you'd never filed a grievance? Yeah, I don't recall using that process before, but you know, if the Attorney General says that's going to work, great. Anything that we can do 
to get more attention on these issues from government officials, I think it's be helpful. And, and I do like sort of an inside-out approach. Communicate these concerns to your local school district administrators, your school board administrators, and also to people at the state level. And don't forget, these are issues that will be of concern to your state representative or your state senator. They're the ones that are involved in state government issues. And school districts are not independent as they call themselves. They are accountable to the state. And so if they're out of line, state House and state Senate members can be in a position to hold them accountable. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, and that grievance process, it's real simple. Um, it's one page, um, or no, I'm sorry, maybe a two-page form, and then they will also give you a small packet of, uh, of how you're supposed to do this, what the lines are in it. You can't file a grievance for something that happened two years ago. It has to be something very recent. And, and uh, then the school uh, or where you file the grievance, they have 10 business days to get back with you. And they are, if they think it's necessary, they will uh, form a, have a meeting with you uh, in person, which is where I'm going at 1 o'clock today up at the school. So there is a process. You can follow it. And um, if Paxton says go straight to the TEA on this sex um, stuff, then I would uh, suggest following Paxton's Paxton's recommendations. The Speaker of the House is something we talk about all the time on this program. We have had some legislation that would have dealt with many of these issues over the last uh, uh, several sessions and they just can't, don't ever seem to get out of the house. And it is so frustrating. It's almost as if it's by design. Now, what do you think about that idea? Well, I mean, it just depends on the issue. Uh, there's no question that Speaker of the House, Dave Phelan, has, uh, does not share our same values when it comes to issues of sexuality. I and mean, he supported uh, an amendment to a bill that provided some specific protection in, in one way or another for LGBT groups. And so I think, uh, you know, that that's a concern. And so whether or not he's a specific reason for these issues, um, you know, people have to verify that on their own. I know our experience has been mixed on some of these issues, and it's been concern. I know when we tried to advance legislation to make sure that you could protect uh, women from having men compete against them in college sports. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the Speaker of the House ever saying anything specifically publicly about legislation. And when we met with them, they didn't seem all that excited about the idea either. And so, uh, you know, look, I know there's a lot of focus on elections. I mean, you've got school board elections, you've got runoffs coming up, we've got some great selections for runoffs at txvaluesaction.org. The Speaker of the House did not was not challenged in his primary. So that's, and I don't even know if he's got a Democrat challenger in, in November, but that doesn't mean you can't still express your concern to him. He's got a lot of sway on what happens in the House. And if he's opposing something or if he's for something, it makes a big difference. Absolutely, it does. The um, One of the issues I have is that we... Um, it almost seems like the committee, when I go into these meetings where they're dealing with sexuality, whether it was the bathroom bill or any of these, 
that it all almost you can almost feel this fear coming from the members of the committees they they seem to be afraid of the handful of lgbtq activists is there any way we can get over that uh, can, can we get them beyond that because I think most of us realize that this uh, uh, alphabet mafia is a tiny, tiny minority, and yet they seem through, I don't know, not physical intimidation, but just intimidation by their presence. Do you, is there, how can we deal with that on our side? What are your suggestions? Well, I just think the more that people talk about it to their elected officials, it demonstrates the legitimate concern that exists, uh, as you do. Now, some people don't. They don't go to the Capitol. They think that, oh, I elected the right person. Even if I'm an issue group leader, I don't need to go up there and do anything. Mm. I just need to stay wherever I am and, and criticize them. I mean, you can do that, but you're not going to be as effective. You've got to go to the Capitol. You've got to go to their offices. You've got to show up in person and interact with them in a direct and a um, in-person way to get things done. And so, and sometimes that's not fair or we're not happy about it, but that's the reality. But it's not, it's, and it's usually not one thing, right? It's a collection of things that are done. But right now, because the legislature's not in session, but you can still communicate with your elected officials. Right. And they're usually back in their district. So you can, you don't have to travel as far to see them. Um, but see if there are elections in your area, whether it's school board or runoff elections, there are a lot of runoff elections. There are several statewide runoff elections. Mm-hmm. And even though you've got candidates that are land commissioner or railroad commissioner, even though they may not touch on some of these issues, the fact that they're in leadership or an elective office at a statewide level and that there are people that care about these issues, that's one reason why we've endorsed Don Buckingham for land commissioner and we've endorsed Wayne Christian for railroad commission because we know even on our issues, even though they might not, not it may be rare that they come across those in the actual work they do day to day. We know they message on these issues and they care about issues of faith and family and they're good representatives for statewide government. Mm. You guys, uh, um, you did some endorsements this year that seemed a little strange to some of us. I've done endorsements before that have backfired on me. Um, <laughs> Which ones were strange, man? <laughs> they're, oh, um just uh there um i believe there was uh several of the uh and i don't have the list in front of me because i wasn't getting ready to talk to you today i apologize but you could you could talk to me about it i'm fine with that it's yeah there were some people who said that there were some of your uh people that you endorsed had had very bad uh sexual uh, uh problems on their own whether they were uh in affairs or yeah. messing around so can, can i address that please please do yeah, it's not true. Um, what a few people were, and I don't, I mean, look, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail who some of those people were, because I think some of them also had some some of those same issues in their background, so it right. seemed sort of hypocritical. Um, and it was political. Uh, in a lot of those situations, they liked the other candidate, and so, um, or they wanted that candidate not to be reelected, so they were using allegations against these candidates to try to make it to their advantage it it really wasn't so much about um the fact that we were involved it was just the fact that this elected official might be in a position to to get re-election and they wanted to find a way to criticize them instead of just coming out directly and saying 
I don't like this candidate because I believe they had an affair vote for somebody else. They tried to pull us into the equation. Well, I'm not aware of any candidate that was involved in an extramarital affair that we endorsed. Okay. All right. Uh, there's, you know, and, and actually, and I'll take that back. There was one that was revealed later. Right. After we released endorsement, that was Van Taylor. Yes. And we withdrew our endorsement the day that we found out or the day after we found out, um, which was the day before election. Now, there are other people out there that have been alleged to be having an affairs. We haven't endorsed those folks. Um, we, at the end of the legislative session, we give out a, a, resi- a recognition called a faith and family champion. That is based on your score during the legislative session. That's what a lot of people have said y'all endorse. And I've, we've cr- tried to correct them. They obviously don't care about telling the truth. They just want to get some headlines in my opinion okay. and be and sensationalize a story. So there's, they said, Oh, you gave them this, recognition um of faith and family champion and they've used that to suggest that we endorse that that's different Ah. that is based on how you vote during the legislative session and i think that's the way it should be right don't take into account other things that people do in their personal lives on that we score how did you vote what did you do at the capitol in your official capacity as it relates to legislation so if there are a few people that scored 90 or above and that's how you get the faith and family champion recognition and you do get a plaque, and we do recognize them on social media, but that's just about what happened during the session. There are some people that have been alleged to be having an affairs that received that, and you know, um, those are things that happened after the fact or we weren't aware of, but that we're not, that's not what that recognition is about. That recognition mm-hmm. is about how you voted, but some people tried to equate that to an endorsement of ours. And it's just not accurate. Okay, now see that to me that makes sense because I'm thinking of all the other scorecards I look at, and that's exactly what they do is they score based on what you did legislatively, and so I appreciate that, and that makes sense. We you we got listen. You may uh, Stephanie Click. I just got texted. Someone said Stephanie Click. So um, any um, uh, you've endorsed Stephanie, and all I have here is Stephanie Click. So the, this listener wants to know about your endorsement of Stephanie. Sure. And just so we're clear, okay, I'm not aware that there's any allegations against Stephanie Click regarding the topic that you just mentioned right. as far as an allegation or of affair. I don't want anybody to sort of get mixed up with some of that. That's right. Those um, are separate issues, yes. Yeah. So Stephanie Click is in a runoff. Um, we did endorse her. And, you know, she has an opponent. So some people like like her opponent. Some people don't. So there, so there's been a few people that have publicly expressed they wanted us to not endorse her, endorse someone else. I mean, if you endorse in any race in a pub, in a in a Republican primary, and you've got candidates that are, um, you know, that people get to choose from, there's always a risk of that happening. You know, yeah. we're we've endorsed Caroline Harris, but some people like Patrick McGinnis. I right. like Patrick McGinnis. We have our reasons deciding we're going to endorse Caroline Harris, particularly when it was a three ray race. Yeah. Um, and so Stephanie Click was the author of a pro-life law that bans the abortion pill going through the mail. It's called the No Mail Order Abortion mm-hmm. Bill. She was the author of that bill. She carried it through the legislative process, and, the, and Governor Abbott signed it at an event we had, as a matter of fact, a, a ceremonial of it um, signing um, during a special session. Okay, She is a pro-life leader. All right, There's no question. For many, many sessions, she's demonstrated how strong she is. She is the reason there was a hearing on the heartbeat law in the House, because it came through her committee, and she had a hearing on several other pro-life laws. Now, her opponent 
and many of their supporters, they don't like the heartbeat law. They mm. have actively opposed the heartbeat law. They testified against the heartbeat law, even though that they say that they, um, you know, they don't like abortion. They don't like the way that that certain legislation has been proposed to try to come at the issue of abortion. There's no question the heartbeat law is one of the strongest pro-life laws ever written. And sometimes people think you've got to have a perfect piece of legislation or nothing. On an <clears> issue like Roe versus Wade on the abortion issue, when there are 50,000 abortions every year in the state of Texas, anytime we can get further down the road to bring that number down, and we've brought it down substantially. I mean, yes. it's been cut by over 60%, if not more, with the heartbeat law. If we could have had a law that prevented abortions completely and the members indicated that they would have supported it, we'd have been all behind it. Uh, part of the problem with, with the law that the opponent supports is it criminalizes women, and it puts women in a position that if they, put, um, if they uh, are involved in an abortion of their child, that they could receive the death penalty. Oh, my I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But, but you have that issue, and you have the supporters of Stephanie Click's candidate actively testifying against the heartbeat law. And let me just set this out for you for a second, Matt. I was there in the Senate. Mm -hmm. This is fact. From what I recall, there was not one Planned Parenthood or typical pro-abortion person that testified against the heartbeat law on the Senate hearing back in March Wow! for the heartbeat law. The opposition were people that say they don't like abortion. And many of these people, from what I can tell, are the ones that are supporting Stephanie Click's candidate. Then you've got Stephanie Click, who's been a pro-life leader for a long time. Not only that, she's been a registered nurse. She was the Tarrant County Republican Party chairman for many years, and she started. she's had a, a long history of public service. Many of those positions she was never paid for. Right? Right. And so, so those are just some of the reasons. And not to mention, she had a very robust hearing, and she moved forward the bill that would have ended gender modification procedures. Okay. Now, did the bill end up getting a full vote on the House floor? No. But, you, but that is the responsibility of the Calendars Committee and the Speaker of the House. Okay. She did her job, she made sure it was heard, and she got it out of committee in time for something to get done. All right, we have gone over time, but that is absolutely <laughs> fine. There is no issue with that, Mr. Sines. We appreciate it. I've still, I've gotten a whole bunch more texts, but we're out of time. And, um, folks, y'all go check Bring out. Bring me back again. I will. TXValues.org. Yeah. Yes, sir. Go People ahead. People can go to our website. They can email us at info at TXValuesAction.org if they got any other questions. I am happy to answer them and give them good insight as it relates to these issues and others. All right, Mr. Sines, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. You bet, Matt. Thank All you. right, F folks, uh, y'all stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back. And I'm going to start talking about January. I know it's April. We're going to start talking about January. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And, yes, I did get a whole bunch more questions for Jonathan. And um, he, uh, he seemed he seemed uh, not have an issue uh, um, answering the questions about um, – their endorsements, and uh, I think there's still a few more questions on click. And uh, but uh, anyway, given that opportunity and the fact that I was completely not prepared to have Jonathan Sions on the radio program today, and that's real embarrassing to me, and I apologize. Um, and uh, so anyway, 
let's talk about January. Um, I'm going to be meeting with our steering committee this afternoon, and we're going to start laying out um, uh, training sessions um, so that you will be fully prepared when you show up in January. And like uh, Mr. Science says, it's that personal contact. Listen, when I first got engaged, um, I think I told you guys that that was uh, four sessions ago, and I got engaged and I got plugged in and uh, decided to go up to the Capitol. And, and I've said many times that that first session I was up there, I was doing a lot of wandering around with my eyes, you know, like a deer caught in the headlights. And, uh, and, but I learned quite a bit from that. And then I was even better in the, the, the second session I was engaged in the third session and so on and so forth. So we really have no excuse. I have no excuse to have you fully, uh, fully, um, aware of, uh, uh, fully trained and ready to go at the Capitol this coming January. One of the things I brought up with Mr. Science is there is almost this palpable, blah, 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 blah. There is a fear that you can taste and feel in the room when you have when you have 150 transgendered, very confused transgendered people dressed in an amazing array of costumes, and they're quite vocal. Um, and it just looks when you look out there, it's like, well, everybody is for this transgendered thing because there's nobody testifying against it. I, I, and and you you just look at the room. My very the the very first bill, one of the very first bills I testified on was the bathroom bill. And um, actually, I did not I did not testify on the bathroom bill. I was across the Capitol testifying on something else. But then I went in in support of the ladies who were testifying on the uh, bathroom bill. There were it was two hundred to eleven. 200 people had signed up to make sure that men could go into women's bathrooms. And 11 people signed up to testify that we didn't think it was a good idea. What, what kind of message do you think they receive when they see that? All right, what kind of message? Well, you're up there and you go, well, looks like everybody agrees with me on this. Uh, we'll let it go through because you know doesn't seem like too many people are opposed to this because about the only time we show our opposition is when we yell at the tv and uh that that's our our opposition if you don't go talk to your legislator then it's only on you all right it's only on you you haven't taken that opportunity so i started to say my my very first year i got in the session about two months before the session started, I believe it was in late October, early November, I called up my representative, uh, Mr. Doug Miller at the time, and uh, said, I'd like to have a sit down with you. And we met in his insurance office over in, I believe, New Braunfels, somewhere over there on 35. And uh, we sat down and I spent about an hour and a half with him. And uh, just to get to know the guy, just to talk to him, tell him what was important and what I was going to be doing. And, um, and that was, listen, at that time, that was a big deal to me. It was a huge deal. It was almost like something you would brag about, right? Hey, I sat down with my representative for an hour and a half the other day. Um, folks, that's the way it should always be. That, that should be the norm that you're visiting with your 
um, legislature, legislators. In fact, as Jonathan Science said, they're between sessions right now. It's fairly easy to get an appointment with them. Call them up. They'll meet you at their at their office or someone or somewhere else in their regional office. Or, you know, he'll drive out from a Junction uh, or maybe his uh, new home in New Braunfels, which is not in the district. But maybe he'll drive uh, and meet you somewhere and you can have a visit with him before the session starts. And I think the more of Mr. Um, Andy Murr's people that go into his office between now and the beginning of January, letting him know where you stand on these issues and that you're going to be at the Capitol, and that you're going to be following what he's doing, that will make a difference. But that means you have to make that arrangement. You have to do that. Now, talking about January, I want you to plan on going up there once, at least once, maybe twice, maybe commit to going three times over four months. All right? Maybe commit to three times over four months. I know many of you who are listening that going to Austin for a day is a big deal, maybe because uh, you can't see well at night, maybe the traffic is just way too much for you because you've lived in the country all your life, maybe the hour and a half drive is just not good on your arthritis, or there, there's all kinds of reasons, and I respect those reasons, but there are numerous ways around that. You can go ahead right now and start planning with your friends to rent a van at least once next session. And so you can find someone who, to, who can drive, and you can take all your friends up there with you, and you can make a difference up at the Capitol. But start making those arrangements now, because when we walk into the room, and we're outnumbered 200 to 11, when we walk into that room, 200 to 11, do you think we feel like we're going to win here? No, it feels like a very losing proposition to all of us. We, honest to God, we need more of you up at the Capitol in this next session, and I'm really going to be pushing that, so you all stay tuned for that. Um, Galatians 6 is, um, I, didn't, I wasn't even too sure where to start or where to stop, and so I'm going to go from Galatians 6, um, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary folks let's not let let's let us not get tired of doing what we know we need to do and uh, Lorraine is sitting in here, and she's always got good advice on what you should be doing. So make sure you stay tuned for Lorraine and uh, hear her woke on the world. Is that the latest thing? Woke the woke, woke on the world. Wow, world. Wow, wow on the wink on the world. Uh, all right, it just confuses me. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine, and she'll straighten it all out. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>